Thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard Podcast. Our mission is simple. Find God, find others, find yourself. That's it. We hope through these conversations, your spirit will be stirred. For more information on Reveal, you can visit our website at www.revealvineyard.com. week two of our series called emoticons an emoticon is an emotional icon uh, we're talking about how we can gain control over our emotions and today we're going to talk about what makes you happy what brings you joy the uh, writer jeremiah in, uh, lamentations he laments when he writes uh, lamentations three seventeen. my soul is deprived of peace go to that next slide there when they get deprived of peace i have forgotten what happiness is. And maybe that resonates with some of us today, that life is hard, and maybe you feel like, I have forgotten what happiness is. My joy is lost. Maybe, maybe you can fake it on the outside, but on the inside, you feel like, I have forgotten what happiness is. I have lost my joy, packed up and moved away. Last week, I started by asking you the question regarding your emotions are your emotions contributing or controlling your life? When you look back through the rearview mirror of your life, do you see potholes? Do you see uh, uh, circumstances where maybe emotions or moods uh, seeped out of control? Maybe they ran unchecked and you suffered the consequences of that emotional outburst. Or maybe you're even still suffering the consequences of whatever that mood, whatever that emotion was. And if you're like the rest of us, your answer to that question is probably yes, that we all have had times where our emotions led us instead of us leading our emotions. It may have felt right at the time we went with our emotions, but later we suffered the consequences of them because emotions have a way of deceiving us. Our series is actually called Emoticons. Uh, the, the con part is, is that... Emotions have a way of conning, deceiving, leading us astray, meaning we can't always believe everything that we feel. If we act upon everything we feel, it leads us into all kinds of situations and a mess. So we've asked, how do we move from emoti confusion to emoti control? And how do we limit the negative effects of our emotions running away with us? Last week we said, uh, our first thought was that we need to begin to guard what matters most. The writer of Proverbs is uh, King Solomon, a man of great wisdom, and he said this. He said, above all else, guard your heart. We said that we live in a culture that will guard everything but our heart. We'll guard our skin with SPF 30, and we'll guard our bodies from gluten, and we'll guard our bodies in our uh, caloric intake, and we'll guard our homes with alarms. But the writer says, if you're going to guard anything, above all else, guard your heart. And then he says, for everything you do flows from it. The New American Standard Version says, for from it flow the springs of life. The, in biblical writing, the heart uh, is the center of emotions and intellect and often uh, a character. And so the author tells us, if you're going to guard one thing, make sure you guard your heart because it is the source for everything else in your life. He says that if the source becomes polluted, then we know that everything downstream of the source 
becomes toxic, including our emotional health and our emotional well-being. We asked the question last week, is, might this be the reason why we have such a difficult time experiencing sustained happiness or joy? Or could this be why we don't enjoy the things we used to? Or why we need more and more expensive toys in order to feel the happiness or joy that we want to experience? And we gave some ways that we can begin to guard what matters most. And we said we need to guard who and what we let in. In other words, not everything is good for you. That there are some people that are toxic to the source. We said we need to guard what comes out of our mouths. We said that, you know, there's, there's people that will say, well, I just say what I feel. And it's okay to say what you feel as long as you realize you're going to feel what you say. And number three, take ownership of your emotions. No one put you in a bad mood. You, you allowed yourself. You chose to go there. And then number four, the idea was to talk to yourself. And we had a quote we'll put up. It says, the main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression, is a sen- in a sense, is this. That we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? In other words, that we, we have these emotions that talk to us and tell us what the day is going to be like. And, you know, tomorrow we're going to wake up and it's Monday and if you're going to work. And, and we, we allow our emotions to talk to us. And at some point we need to begin to talk to our emotions. To say, I'm not acting upon how you're feeling. And then the fifth one was, or the fourth one, fifth one, was to change your focus. To begin to take our thoughts captive. So how did you do last week on that? Did you make any progress in guarding your heart? Did you make any progress in feeling like you started to move from emotive confusion to emotive control? And I received several texts and uh, emails and some things on Facebook where people said, I actually feel like I've made some progress in, in controlling my emotions instead of my emotions controlling me. So today we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk uh, about uh, the emotion that all of us want more of. doesn't matter where you're from or what your plans are this year. All of us want to see more of this. Go to that next screen. We all of us want more of this and we want less of this guy. Right? All of us this year, we want to be happy. And we want to experience greater happiness. No one looks at their life and says, you know what, last year I was a little too happy. And I need to dial it back a little bit, right? Everyone wants the smiley guy, and no one wants to be down, and no one wants to be blue. And so we're going to ask the question, what makes you happy? Jesus spoke into this topic in John 15, where Jesus uh, said this, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now this might sound a little odd to some of you who grew up in church because uh, uh, oftentimes, or maybe if you never were in church, oftentimes we don't, when we think of Christians, we don't necessarily associate Christians with great joy. I mean, sometimes we can be the most unhappy people in the world, you know. Uh, maybe you grew up in a church where the less happy you were meant the more holy you were, right? Maybe you heard people say that God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy, as if they're mutually exclusive, oil and water, that, that they don't mix. And, you know, I've known people growing up that, 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 that their, their holiness is shown by their lack of happiness. Uh, some people act as if God's favorite song is, if you're happy and you know it, repent. 
right? Like, like you can't, that's not, not, not a good thing. But Jesus says that I have told you these things that joy would overflow. Now this passage would make perfect sense. If Jesus was about to tell his disciples about a windfall opportunity or a windfall of blessings that was about to come upon them. It would be as if uh, last week the Powerball is 1.5 billion. I assume none of us won because no one dropped a 20 million dollar check off at my house. It would be as if I came to you and said, listen, God spoke to me very clearly, 100% guarantee you're going to be the winner of the Powerball. And God told me to tell you these things so that your joy would overflow. It's easy to be happy when everything's going your way. It's easy to be joyful when you just received the keys to the new house or you're driving off the lot in your new car or it's easy to be happy the day before vacation or the moment before you're boarding the ship and but but the context of what Jesus spoke this this statement in is interesting because listen to what he says next he says if the world hates you keep in mind that it hated me first and if they persecuted me they will also persecute you Now, the disciples had to be confused, thinking, Jesus, you just said overflowing joy, which we love. But you went from overflowing joy to hatred and persecution rather quickly. So which is it going to be? Is it joy or is it hatred and persecution? It's as if Jesus was, was saying, being connected to me has a way of allowing you to rise above your circumstances. And we're going to come back to this passage. I want you to put a pin in it. We're going to take the long way around and we're going to come back and explore it a little bit more. But we're going to start asking the question, what makes you happy? Join me as we pray before we continue. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Speak to us truth. Speak to us through your word. Speak to us your wisdom. Father God, would, would you begin a work in us? Would you stir in us. Lord, I would ask that uh, we would move closer to the people that you want us to be today. Father, I pray for anyone who feels separated from you. I would ask that you would draw near, you would close that gap. I pray that we would sense your leading us onward. I pray that you would be whatever it is that we need you to be today. Whatever area of life we're struggling in, that you would step into that and speak over us. And for our offering that will be received uh, later in the service, Lord, let it be about what you're about. Let us uh, be representatives of Jesus in our community and around the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what makes you happy? For some, it's a very difficult question. It's very difficult to answer it clearly. And for others, you might think that you know what makes you happy, so much so that you've been trying to be happy all of your life. But maybe if you try without success, possibly we really are not all that clear what actually makes us happy. So I have good news for you today. In this message, I am going to tell you what makes you happy. Now for some of you, you think it gets a notepad out and and we want to write this down and others of you are thinking who does this guy think he is 
He doesn't even know my life and my circumstances and my situation. And he's going to stand on stage and he's going to tell me what makes me happy. But before you leave, let me remind you of this. Every day, advertising experts who you have never met. Advertising experts who know nothing about you. They know nothing about your story or what's happening tomorrow or anything going on in your life. And yet online, TV, and in print ad will tell you exactly what makes you happy. And for the most part, we believe it. And so realize, as I'm going to you know, some, speak some things over us, we're going to look at some biblical truth. But people are telling us constantly what makes us happy. And most of the time, we believe it. So here's my first thought for you. Happiness is more about who than what. Now, who in life is going to be the people you surround yourself with? What are all of the things that we surround ourselves with? Happiness is more about who than what. And we realize this pretty early on in life. Early on in life, you knew or you thought that if you can get around the right group of who, life would be happy. In high school, you may have wanted more what, more stuff, but you wanted better what because you thought it would get you in with a better who. Now, your wisdom in who you choose to be your who may have been lacking. But instinctively, hear me, instinctively we knew that there is something about having the right group of who's around us, right? We knew it. It's instinctive. And so we, we, we worked towards that. And nothing has really changed. That this idea of who still matters more than what. When I was in sixth grade... I thought this what would change my life. These were, remember the iconic white Nikes with the red swoosh? I think they were uh, called Nike Cortez. And I was sure, baby, if I got this what, it would get me in with a better who. But see, we weren't sporting Nike when I grew up. Here's what we were sporting. Remember this? Kmart tracks. Remember that? I had the exact same color, the exact same pair. Mom hauling us down to Kmart, you know, I just want some Nike. And he had a choice of like two colors. That, and I was sure, you get me a better what, I can get in with a better who. Instinctively, we knew that who is more important than what. Even though we thought if we got more what, but ultimately it would get us in with a better group of who. Now, some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're like, no, no. Pastor, if you give me more what... I don't even need the who I'm sitting next to. Some of you, I know you're thinking that. Thinking, if you give me more what, I guarantee you I could be happy. So do this exercise with me. I want you to picture your ideal vacation right now. Cost is no object. Length of time that you're going to be there, no object. I want you to think your ideal vacation and what that looks like. And the church is going to send you on that vacation all expenses paid. Now you just received a tremendous what, right? You received stuff, all expenses paid. And if, if, if we were doing that for you, you would leave here pretty stinking happy. Now we're going to get, our dream vacation is going to cost us nothing, right? You got some what, and you're thinking, that's what I mean, pastor. You give me what, and I don't need who. But I want you to think of this. Now I want you to think about the person in life that you can't stand. We're not going to say hate because that would be a sin. But I want you to think of the person in life that, they drive me crazy. They, you, just, you just don't say they make you sick. They literally make you sick when you're around them. I want you to think of that person, alright? Now, you, hopefully it's not the person up here on stage. I want you to think of that person. Now, here's the catch. 
I'm going to give you that what. But the catch is, is that 24 hours a day, without exception, you will spend every minute with that who. Now, you know what I can guarantee you? You will not be happy. Because I don't care how great the what. If you're with the wrong who, you are miserable, right? Because who matters more than what. But you can walk through Walmart with the right who. And you can share a hot dog at Home Depot. And you can sit on a couch and watch black and white reruns of, of, of the Brady Bunch. And at the end of the day, you can climb in bed and you can say, what a great day. Because who always matters more than what. But we like to reverse it because it just seems right that what would make me happy. More stuff would make me happy. But if happiness was a what, then I could just get more what and I'd be happy. You could go out and buy some what and you would be happy. But anytime that we place what above who, and I hope you're tracking me, I sound like Dr. Seuss here. Anytime we place what above who, we, we run the risk of falling into a cycle of, that's called what's next. Meaning what felt really good, made me happy, but what's getting a little older now and I need a better or a newer what to get me up to that happiness level that I experienced when my old what was my new what. For some of you, I'd be in this crowd, remember how happy you were when you got your new iPhone? And the truth is, you were, as, you were excited about your old phone as you was with your new phone when your old phone was your new phone, but your old phone got old and now you needed a new what? And guess what? In a few months, that new what is going to be your old what and you're not going to be happy with it anymore. Think of it this way. We'll put it on the screen. If an aging what deflates your happiness, maybe you were never happy to begin with. You were just marketed to possibly now you can you know i just want to push some ideas on you that if an aging what deflates your happiness maybe you were never happy to begin with happiness that is fueled by what doesn't last it's short-lived it's a spike psychologists call this hedonic adaptation the idea is regardless of how happy something makes you initially over time talking about emotions over time your emotional level will settle back into where it was originally. That's why when they do interviews of people who have won the lottery and they interview them uh, 24 months later, they are no happy than before they won the lottery. But for the record, I'd like to win and prove them wrong. And you would too, right? I know that's what you're thinking. You're like, I'd be happy. I'll prove them wrong. So this, this idea that we link our happiness to what is, is, is shallow, and we knew instinctively that happiness was always more about a who. Here's what I want you to know. Happiness being more about a who than a what is not by mistake. That it is actually by design and the way that you've been created. Who always drives sustained happiness. Parents, it's why we have a difficult time eclipsing and our own happiness, eclipsing the happiness of our least favorite child. If, you're, if you have a child that's unhappy, it's hard to get your happiness level above them because we're designed to be a who. 
Man, it's why you have a difficult time. Your happiness eclipsing the happiness of your least favorite wife. That doesn't work. But you know what I'm saying. It's, it's difficult because we're connected to who? Now, as a pastor, I have spent a lot of time with people in end-of-life care. And at the end of life, in those moments when things are coming to an end, happiness always revolves around who and never revolves around what. When you're close to death, it's the who that you're going to call in to be around you. I have never heard someone grab his wife's hand and say, bring me my Harley. I need to spend time with my bike. Right? Or ladies, it's not going to be, I need to see my shoe collection one last time. Because we know that who always is more important than what. And at the end of life, you will have relationship regrets and not material regrets. Because by design, happiness is relational in nature. Some of you, you need to consider this year, who is the who that you're going to get around you that's going to feed into your soul and that you can feed into their soul? Hey, you got a great opportunity, right, with, with our regroups that uh, start in February. They're being promoted now. Some of you, you're going to need to take time to meet a new group of who because it's actually going to be good for you. And who is the new who that you need to start getting around you in order to achieve or start to step into the happiness and the joy that we all crave so much? Who matters more than what? Now, we're going to circle back around to John 15. Remember, who matters more than what? John 15, 11, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, joy will overflow. Jesus makes this bold statement, overflowing joy, but he puts on the front of it, I have told you these things, and so we need to understand what are the things that he told them that leads to the joy that overflows. You can start reading yourself in uh, John 14, and little John 13 there, and he says that I'm going to prepare a place for you, he tells us he's giving the Holy Spirit, he says I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and, and then he says later in John 15, just before he, he makes his statement about joy, he says this, I am the vine. And you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. In other words, Jesus is saying if you're looking for a joy that goes beyond your circumstances, it matters who you're connected to and who is leading your life. Happiness is always about who more than a what. And Jesus places himself as the central figure, the primary who that we need to be connected to. Two, and he uses the imagery of a vine and a branch, and he says, if you're connected to the right who, something will begin to occur in you. And that happiness, that joy that you've been seeking, not through a quick fix, it's not through more what, but it's through sowing and reaping, and it starts with being connected to the right who. You want to move from emotive confusion to emotive control? Start by putting someone greater. Start by putting a greater who in charge of your life. Some of you, that's what you need to hear this year. Start by putting a greater who than you, and we're really going Dr. Seuss, in charge of all that you do. That was good. Start by putting a greater who than you over all that you do. So you don't step in poo. Now I'm just throwing stuff out there. I don't know where we're going with it. Now, here's the reason. 
Here's the reason why being connected to Jesus, the primary who, here's one of the reasons why it's so important. Often in life, when it comes to our pursuit of happiness, we can do more damage than good. And I want to play this out. Think back to some relationships in your life. Is there anyone that you can think of that as you sat back and you watched their decisions, that because of their poor decisions, because of their emotions that led them, uh, be, be, because of a lack of, of, of wisdom, that you knew that they were undermining the very happiness that they were trying to achieve. And, and you saw it, they didn't see it or they wouldn't do it, but you saw that they were undermining the very joy, the happiness that they so desperately wanted. Jesus says it in this way, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now in this passage, Jesus is most certainly talking about our spiritual adversary, Satan, that he is a thief coming to steal, kill, and to destroy. But if you read the passage, Jesus is really saying that anyone that steps into your life and steals something of value away from you is a thief that needs to be watched for. Now, track with me, right? right? We can do more harm than good in our pursuit of happiness. So with that in mind, let me ask this. Any thief is someone that comes into your life to steal, kill, take something from you. Who in your life has the greatest potential to take something of value, sabotage a dream, destroy a relationship, or harm your future? Who in your life has the greatest potential to uh, take something of value, destroy a dream, kill a relationship, harm your future. The person with that greatest potential to undermine your happiness in life is you. And you know this to be true. I know this to be true. I've placed myself in situations thinking it was going to make me happy that later made me miserable because I have the greatest potential to sabotage and undermine my own happiness. Here's here. You know it's true because listen, you bought it, or you leased it, or you ate it, or, or, or maybe you drank it, or you smoked it, or you dated it, and then you slept with it, and some of you married it. We have the potential to sabotage and undermine the very joy that we seek. And Jesus says, look, look, look. If you want to avoid that, the who you're connected to really does matter. The person leading your life really does matter because left on your own, you may go after something that you think will bring you happiness, but in reality will undermine the very happiness that you seek. See, we have this, this, this uh, conflict between pleasure and happiness. Our drive to be happy is so intense that we will place ourselves in possible compromising situations by pursuing pleasure, thinking that it will lead to happiness. Now hear me. No, nothing wrong with pleasure. God created us, all right, with pleasure in mind. But anytime our pursuit is pleasure, then we may wind up with neither pleasure nor happiness. And we're going to play this out quickly and then we'll close. 
Pleasure can give you an emotional surge, right? A, a quick spike of happiness. Whatever that pleasure might be, doesn't have to be illegal, doesn't even have to be a sin, but whenever you're unhappy and you say, I'm going to reach for this because it makes me happy, whatever that is has a danger of beginning to control your life. Why? Because of the law of diminishing return. Whatever made you happy, the next time you want it again to spike you, to get you happy, and then you want it again, and over time, you know what, that really didn't make me as happy, so I need more of that to get me to the emotional level that I want, and then the next time, I need a little more, and the law of diminishing return says you need more of that pleasure that you seek, because what you had yesterday doesn't get you to that emotional response that you're looking for like it did before. And here, here, here's what it means. Paul says it like this, Romans 6. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? In other words, if you, if you say yes to a pleasure, just thinking that it's going to lead you to happiness, that you run the risk of becoming a slave to that pleasure that you think will bring you to the joy that you so desperately need. And you may start off choosing that pleasure, but eventually that pleasure chooses you. And eventually it is taken out of your control because you have become a slave to the very thing that you thought would make you happy, but is now spiraling you downward. Because you thought happiness, or happiness would come through the quick fix of a pleasure surge or a pleasure charge. There is no quick fix to happiness. What's going to make you happy this year? Get a better group of who around you. It's always who more than what, right? What's going to make you happy this year? Begin to be connected to the primary who, who created you. Here's, 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 wh here's where I'm going, and we'll close. Jesus is saying that if you are connected to me, we can navigate this sometimes chaotic life together. And if you will make me the lead, if you connect to me, and I am the greater who that is now in charge of your life, I will lead you away from the emotional decisions that you will engage in thinking it will bring you happiness, but it will only undermine your happiness. And if you stay connected to me, I will begin to transform you that you will begin to avoid the decisions full, fueled by your emotions of wanting to be happy that ultimately cause you to become the greatest thief in your own life by stealing and robbing and taking anything of value and leaving you with very little. And one day, if you sow into it, Jesus says, you stay connected to me. If you sow into the things of God, listen, not just Sunday, but I mean connected, sowing, whatever that's going to look like for, for you. That Jesus' promise is that he will begin to transform us on the inside, and here's what's going to happen. One day you're going to wake up, and you're going to say, you know what? I didn't buy it this time, especially when I couldn't afford it. And I didn't lease it. And I didn't eat it while well, I ate it, but I didn't eat as much of it. And something in me just said, you don't need to smoke it. And you don't need to drink it. And you don't need to date it. And you don't need to sleep with it. And you don't need to marry it. Because something began to transform within me 
And Jesus says, man, if you stay connected, if I'm the greatest who in your life, my wisdom can help you to avoid being the greatest thief in your life that will steal that which you want most. And so who always trumps what? And so my challenge to you is are you connected to the primary who of Jesus? Or are you seeking a pleasure, but you're actually undermining your own happiness? I just want you to take a moment. And however you want to sit, close your eyes, or just for a moment. And I want you to just allow God to speak to you. Now don't shrug off what the Spirit has spoken. Sometimes God will speak and we'll shrug it off and we'll dismiss it because it's not what we want. But if God is speaking to you, then let him lead. And for some of us, maybe it's getting a new group of who in your life that will feed into you and speak into you. And for some of you, it's taking a step Checking out a regroup to get some people around you that will be good for you. Maybe for some it's being reconnected to Jesus. Maybe you've tried to bear fruit on your own for too long. And you haven't completely walked away, but if you're honest in your heart, you know I've really not been connected to Jesus. And I've been trying all sorts of things to pick up my emotions and it's just left me flat and today the call is come back and connect to Jesus to abide in him some it is an issue of repentance of turning away from something that you are engaging in for a quick fix of happiness and the spirits whisper to you that it will ruin you and undermine the happiness that you seek Lord wherever we find us I pray that you would speak I pray we would come into alignment with you. I pray that our emotions, our decisions, our actions would come under the headship, the leadership of Jesus. I pray that we would sow into the things of the kingdom. And as we sow, eventually we begin to reap that which you will give back to us. But it doesn't happen tonight. It won't happen tomorrow. It's a sowing and a reaping, but God, I pray today that we begin to sow into what matters. I pray for your face to shine upon us and your spirit to rest upon us and your goodness to be made manifest all around us this week. I pray that you would continue to speak to us on this topic, that we would not be void of any contact with you this week, for that is not abiding in you. And I pray that you, this week, would be whatever it is that we need most right now. And some who are struggling and have 
deep pains in life. And I pray that you would show yourself good and strong to them. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the, the service today. Uh, next week we're going to continue. Great service for you to invite a family or friend to. Uh, it applies to everyone. So I hope you uh, come back next week. Look forward to seeing you guys. God bless you. If you'd like to give, uh, there's some buckets there on your way out if you'd like to uh, support what we're doing here. God bless you. If you're a guest, I'd love to meet you up front. And if you'd like prayer, we'd love to have someone pray for you. Have a wonderful week.